Hey, this is Ryan. And this is Brian. And we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. We hope you're enjoying this episode. You know, it's our goal to make this podcast useful to you. So if you find it valuable, we want you to consider supporting the Bible Bistro financially. You know, there's a cost associated with this podcast, and your support will help us to continue this mission. If you'd like to help, we have set up a Patreon account where you can contribute at any level. Maybe you just want to give us a few bucks a month and buy us a cup of coffee. Or if you support us at $15 or above, you can receive some of our personalized items, like the Bible Bistro coffee mug. Trust me, you're really going to want one of those. Absolutely. You just got to go to our website or in the show notes and click on the Patreon link. And thank you so much. We appreciate our loyal listeners. Welcome back to Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. I'm Ryan. Hey, and I'm Brian. And this is the Bible Bistro. Bible Bistro. <laughs> singing edition we, again. We've been doing a lot of singing this week, right? So Yes, yeah. we have. Well, we're here again. Yes. Where we were last week. Last week or whenever this Wh- Whenever comes time, podcast yeah. time, it, it never works. But we're at <laughs> it's country. Like narr- it's kind of like narrative time. Narrative time. But Brian, <laughs> yeah. We're at the Country Lake uh, Retreat Center in Underwood, beautiful Underwood, Indiana. And so there, there are very few places in the world more beautiful than Southern Indiana, and that's where we are. <laughs> but we're here for the um, uh, learning retreat, uh, learning retreat uh, with uh, Dr. Jody Owens again. He's yeah. been on the podcast yeah. before yeah. and want to say welcome back to well, you. Yeah, it's well. good to be back. Yeah, and I'm glad you guys are here. It's been fun thus far. It has yeah. been. And we're yes. about half, well, I guess a little over halfway through with the week now. Right. And, yeah. And it's been very, I want to say thank you for just letting us be here and just for the content it's been very good for us good mix we were just talking about a good mix between uh, learning and also some spiritual practices yeah yeah yeah. i think that's important to to view study as an act of worship and and view it as an act that brings us into communion with god and so we try to balance that you know a a deep rich study with with other disciplines and acts of worship. Well, today we did some reflection exercises that were really good for me and just taking some time after talking, like you said, it's about some heavy things in the text mm-hmm. and then yeah. walking away and kind of thinking about our lives and how it applies. Yeah, so very, yeah. Very I think that's mix. probably the pastor in me coming out. You <laughs> yeah. know, 10 years of being in ministry and that's 20 good. years in academia, but I never, I, I like a foot in both worlds. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, I think, I think there's too many times we try to make a sharp distinction there when yeah, there really right. shouldn't be Absolutely. one. So. Yeah. But we thought we'd bring you on and have you talk about a couple of things you know we've we, yes. there's been so much this so this is only scratching the surface but a couple of things we found particularly interesting uh so far in the study mm. and well and it's all been interesting but a couple of things were just you know kind of blew our socks off as mm. they say but yeah uh, do you want to yeah bring up so, one, of them? Uh, one of the things you were talking about and i wanted you to kind of because i think our audience would be kind of interested yeah. in this is talking about the movement of the ark so we talked about that and um at least my always preconceived notions, it was just always taken, mm, you know, yeah, but you, yeah. you showed us that there was something else happening in the text with, with the Ark and this, this story of the Ark being taken out into battle. And we think, oh, it's just being taken by the Philistines, but something else is happening. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. The, the Ark is sort of tangentially introduced into the narrative early, early on. Right. When we learned that Samuel's daddy, 
is a part of the Levitical tribe. There's a genealogy, so he's part of the tribe of Levi, but he's also one of the Kohathites, mm, which is the clan that specifically dealt with the furniture in the tabernacle. Right. Mm. So right at the beginning, we're okay. introduced that Samuel is part of like the furniture clan. The furniture movers. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, furniture that's, movers. Right, that's right. They're, they move furniture, okay. right? And, and, the the most, yeah. and the most significant piece of furniture is the Ark of the Covenant. Right. right. So even from the start, if you're paying attention to the genealogies, which nobody does, but if you do, <laughs> right, you know, it's like, ah, oh, no wonder that's that Samuel ends up sleeping, you know, so close to the presence of God. Right. right. Yes. When so, he's a very young man, he's sleeping. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And so the Ark is introduced pretty early in the narrative. And then the place where it really comes up in, in a very clear way is when the Philistines uh, go to war against the Israelites, right. defeat them, and, and, and the Israelites are asking, why did we lose this battle? What can we do? And some Yahoo in the camp <laughs> says, why don't we bring the Ark of the Covenant out to the battlefield? Right. Mm -hmm. And the assumption is God won't let himself be captured. Right. We'll, we'll win the victory, well, right? And there's tradition, right, of the Ark preceding the Israelites in battle. That's and, right. right. That's right. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And the problem is, though, that we know that the sons of the high priest, uh, Eli's two sons, Hophni, Hophni and Phinehas, yeah. they have already been painted as unsavory guys that uh, okay. don't know God. Okay. Yeah. So in some cases, it might not be so bad if the ark is leading the way for Israel. But these guys are not Right. honoring the holiness of God. They've been violating the sacrificial system. Right. The text explicitly says they don't know, don't know God. And that was something I, you brought out that I'd never noticed, but yeah, right there in the text. Yeah, and so they're the ones that go fetch the ark. <laughs> they're, they're the priests that don't know God. They're the priests that don't know God. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Right. There's a good yeah, combination. Yeah. And perfect. so really the picture of this painted is the Israelites are treating the ark as if it's something that can be manipulated. Right. Well, that's the way pagan peoples sure. thought about their deities. You know, mm -hmm. we, if we know the right incantation or we offer the right sacrifice, we right. can entice the deity to do what we want the deity to do. Well, yeah. in this case, they want a victory. Right. And so they bring the ark out and the Philistines are, oh, no, the Israelite gods are in the camp. You know, all right, men, let's let's buck up and mm -hmm. we're going right. to go fight them anyway. And the Philistines win the victory and wow. they yeah. capture the ark. Yeah. Well, after the news is reported back to Eli, yeah, the high kill, priest. Killed pri both priests, right? Yeah, both oh. Hophni and Phinehas both die, right. fulfilling the prophecy that Samuel had given earlier that mm -hmm. this they was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the news comes back to Eli that his two sons are dead. And his daughter-in-law, married to one of his sons, Phinehas, right. is pregnant. And she gives birth, and with her dying breath, she actually dies giving birth. She gives the son a symbolic name, uh, Ichabod, Ichabod. Okay which means the glory has departed. Mm. And that's our first clue that really the Ark of the Covenant wasn't captured by the Philistines, that actually God has departed from Israel huh. Okay. because of their sin. Right. And even the priests don't know him. And so the Philistines think they're capturing the Ark. They right. suddenly discover that actually they're being invaded by the Ark. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. And so, so they carry the Ark back, put it in the temple of one of their, their gods. There's this dramatic story where that God is defeated. He topples over one day. They stand <laughs> him up. He falls over again, his head and hands break off. Wow, He's right. powerless to okay. stand up against Yahweh. And then the Philistines start passing the ark around because nobody wants to have it. 
Huh. Like he's sending okay. a plague on the Israelites. Right. And the first Philistine city puts up with it for a while. And they're like, we got to get the ark out of here. And they right. suddenly realize we haven't captured this thing. It has invaded us. Huh. Hmm. And they send it from one city to another city to another Philistine city. And finally they say, we got to send this thing back to Israel. Right. Now you, you said it's almost like it's a character, like it, the ark almost becomes yeah, a character. Of yeah, the story. And, and it represents the presence of God. Yeah, like yeah. this, this okay. is God, okay. and so the idea is, the ark goes where God wants the ark to go. Right, mm -hmm. and you know the human perspective, and in the story, it's like people trying to manipulate the ark, right. whether that's the high priests that don't know God, the Israelites mm. acting like pagans and thinking they can force God's hand to do things. Right or the Philistines, and God's not willing to play all that game at all right. with any of them. Right. And then the well-known story, the Philistines put the Ark of the Covenant on a cart and hitch it to these cows mm. that yeah. have never... You're not going to talk about the tumors, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> we probably shouldn't do that one. Yeah, we, yeah. Had a, we had a long discussion about tumors. Oh, so. yeah, yeah. You uh, have to actually come to the retreat that's to get right. that. We, we've got to keep <laughs> yeah. some stuff fed. That's, that's there's bonus, some bonus things material. you do not put on video or audio, right? <laughs> All right. Well, let's say, let's say they have some unpleasant side effects diseases going yeah, on yeah yeah god strikes them down with some plagues and some tumors and they say we got to get this thing out of here and and these cows that have never been harnessed to a cart right. that are also the text says they're they have calves right and they leave their nursing calves mm -hmm. and they pull this cart something they've never done and lo and behold they take it back to uh bet shemesh which earlier in the Joshua narrative, we're told is a Levitical city. Okay. Mm. So the cows are taking the ark back to right. this place where somebody ought to know what to do with the ark. So kind of divine guidance yeah, it, there. Yeah, divine. And, yeah. And one thing that you've talked about is like that they were nursing, they had calves, yeah. and yeah. it was almost like they were compelled. They were compelled yeah, the to take. Yeah, the text says that they're lowing all the way. <laughs> you know, right. is there? It, it's, it's like they don't want to leave right. their calves, but this is this is the ark goes where the God wants right. the ark to go. It's interesting, yeah. And so they take it back to Bet Shemesh, where the Israelites ought to know what to do with it, but they're in a season of being disconnected from God. And so the Levites that are there open the lid, you know? Yeah. Hey, y'all watch this, you know? <laughs> Wait, I think I saw a movie where this happens. <laughs> yes, and we so, did. It didn't turn out well. Yeah, yeah, and so they're treating the ark with contempt. Right. And so 70 of right. them are struck down. And so again, you know, you you have to approach God on his terms. Yeah. Mm -hmm. His holiness will consume you. Right. You have to know God, which Eli and Hophni right. or Hophni and Phineas didn't. Yeah. Um, but if you trace it geographically, the story starts out in Shiloh, the Shiloh narratives. Right. So that's the center where the tabernacle was in the early days of Samuel. The ark is captured and it's taken west to the Mediterranean coast where right. the Philistines are. And then when the cows bring it back, they're heading back east. And if you look at it on a map, the, the movement of the ark is directionally, it's headed toward Jerusalem. Huh. And mm -hmm. Jerusalem's not even yet the center of worship at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's not yet. And we're actually in the point in the narrative where we haven't talked about the ark lately because it was right. It mm -hmm. ended up in this city called Curious Dream, a town, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and it stays there for like twenty years. And <laughs> just, just, but but the yeah. author's not going to let that narrative hang. Right. So I guess tomorrow we'll come to that. Yeah, uh, okay. we will tomorrow. Mm -hmm. The ark is going to reappear. Okay. And it's going to end up in 
Jerusalem, wow. which is one of the high points in the story. Okay. Yeah, okay. Um, but so a part of that whole narrative is to illustrate to the original audience who were probably the Jews who were in exile in Babylon. Right. Uh, Babylon was a polytheistic culture. Yeah. They're, they're captive after Jerusalem has been destroyed. They're asking questions like, you know, wasn't our God powerful enough to save us? Why has this right. happened? So here they get the story of disobedience that shows that, well, God's not going to fight for you if you're disobedient, disconnected from him. He's right. not going to give you the victories. That's answering some questions for them. Mm -hmm. uh, and But the story is going to end with, with uh, the ark in Jerusalem. Right. Uh, validating David's reign in a, in a very real sense. Mm -hmm. But a part of the message is you can't, you can't manipulate, yeah. you can't force God's hand. Yeah. He's not that kind of God. Right. And one of the big questions in the ancient world that many Old Testament texts is trying to address is what's the nature and character of God? Yeah. Like, is he like the other gods? You can right. manipulate Baal or Dagon if you do the right things, sure. Molech. <laughs> The biblical narratives teach Yahweh is not that yeah. kind of God. You know, it's interesting you said that because because that's what I teach today about. Mm. I'll say you know because I, I don't believe Christianity is a as a religion. Mm. I, I say religion is really an attempt to learn how to manipulate the powers or the yeah. deity or, yeah. or the or God to to do your will. Sure, mm. and, and instead Christianity is seeking to to find out what it means to do God's will. Yeah. In other words, asking him what does it mean and, and it so it becomes a relationship where i'm seeking to to do the will of god that's right rather than trying to get god to do my will yes. and yeah. so that's yeah. a timeless lesson isn't yeah. it and, i think so yeah. and that's so, what i found fascinating because you said well the ancient world and i'm thinking kind of still the way it is today it, yeah that's right I, just our idols look different well and i'll even say and and well i hope i don't get in trouble for saying this but I, you know I'll, I'll say this sometimes when i'm teaching even in sunday school and i'll say sometimes we treat christianity that way we mm -hmm. treat it like it's an issue of getting God to do what we want him to do. You know, if we just, like you said, the right incantation or the right prayer, mm -hmm. or, or if I, if I give enough or if I do enough, then mm -hmm. I'm going to be able to twist God's arm yeah. for him to, to bless me in the way that I want, you yeah. know, kind of like Jacob wrestling with him, I guess. Right. Like, bless yeah. me. You yeah. Know? So, well, so I, I think it's, it's, it's something we need to be aware of. You know? I think so. Yeah. I, think so. I just, I, I thought it was really just interesting that the idea yeah. of, it de God departed, you know, like the glory, yeah, depart like that's right. the word depart and not like glory was taken. Right. Yeah. Glory departed. That's the, the, right. This, the, this is God's decision yeah. to leave it's, it's Israel. A, a, a judgment on them of some that's sort. That's right. It is a judgment and he is removing his presence. Yeah. And the, the place, there are a couple of places in the Psalms where the psalmist tells that story and explicitly says, Yahweh departed from departed. Israel because of their sin. Yeah. So, you know, we're not just making this up. The, the scripture interprets scripture and the yeah. Psalms come back and explicitly say that. Uh, so yeah, he's not been captured. And he's fits, left yeah, town. Yeah. It fits with that idea. You, you can't, it's not like we can grasp him or take him and That's right. move him where yeah. we want him to move. Priests that don't know yeah. God are then trying to yeah. force God into a fight yeah. that he yeah. hasn't yeah. said anything about. Yeah. Well, that, that was great. I mean, that, like I said, when you were going through that whole thing, and like you said, there's more of it still to come. So we're mm, looking forward mm, to that. But yeah. uh, the other thing we're going to talk about a little bit, you, you, so David and Goliath, 
You, yeah. I think you said one of the best stories of this. Whole. Everybody knows the story. Why do we <laughs> yes. even need Flam- to spend any time on yeah. it? Right, right. <laughs> Flannel graph. But you know, you, you did make the point. A lot of times we kind of make a s- simplistic kind of uh, application to say, oh, you know, God can help you slay your giants or whatever. You know, uh, even a young person like David can slay a big giant like Goliath. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But but you showed us some things in the language that made me think about it in a completely different way, kind of reframed the story for us. And and you even kind of took it back into Genesis and kind of the creation account there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this is where you, you know, you have to see the meta narrative and some details that show up way, way, way earlier in scripture. Mm -hmm. And, And so one way to frame what's going on in the whole Samuel narrative, remember Samuel is a part of this collection, Joshua judges, Samuel and Kings. Right. And Joshua really begins with the entrance into the promised land. Right. That, you know, th- this land has been promised. And we just, I think, sometimes just assume God just wanted to give the land to these people so they have a place to settle. Well, there's a whole lot more to it sure. than that. Yeah. And, and, and I think one of the places where we see that is in the book of Numbers. Right. When the 12 spies are sent into the land. It's not the only place we see it, but this is one of the clearest places. These spies are sent into the land and to check it out, see what right. see what this land is like. And when you read that narrative, there's all kind of language in there that harkens back to the garden story and the creation right. story and really the first six chapters of Genesis. Okay. Uh, just for example, they're told, uh, when you go into the land, see if there are any trees there. Mm. <laughs> and when you think about, you know, the creation account, you're immediately you're thinking, oh, tree of life. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Right. You think of that. Um, the only, the, when, when they bring back some of the fruit from the land, the thing right. we all think of is the huge cluster of grapes. Yeah, that I've seen that on flannel graph. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And I mean, the Israeli Ministry of Tourism, that's their... They're oh, right. I hadn't yeah. thought of that. Yeah, carrying, carrying the big cluster of grapes. Cluster of grapes. Yeah. And, yeah. But the text also says they brought back pomegranates and they also brought, brought back figs. Mm-hmm. Well, the only other place in scripture where figs have been mentioned up to this point is in the garden when Adam, Adam and Eve clothed really? themselves with fig leaves. Okay. okay. Yeah. Right. So, so from Genesis then to this numbers account, that's right. That's the they're next... like the, the, the authors picking up language from the creation account, okay. almost as if to say, What's really happening here is is the promised land is like the garden. Kind of a paradise. That's, that's right. Okay. That this is a place, and not just a paradise in the sense that you get to live in a cool place, but if you go back to the creation account, right. the, 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 the stewardship idea, the vocation yeah. idea, yeah. Mm-hmm. that Adam and Eve were to steward the garden, this place that represented God's kingdom yeah. and his reign and rule, they're supposed to steward it. And there's some expansion language in the garden, multiply and fill the earth, fill the earth. So so you're taking it out. You're taking the garden and spreading it around the entire, that's right. Yeah. So he's planted this garden in one place, the garden, the whole earth wasn't the garden of Eden, just this one garden because they're kicked out of that garden later. And it's not the garden. (laughs) And it's not the garden. Right. Yeah. 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 So Adam and Eve's task was to be, priests and yeah. and ambassadors right. representatives of god created in his image there's a whole sure. other thing we could talk about yeah. and expand that garden until it encompassed the whole earth well that wow. was their vocation well here's israel and and they're basically being invited to participate in a garden reclamation project yeah. this is the way i wow. frame it it's like yeah. let me give you a new garden land right mm-hmm. and your task is to be planted in this place at the crossroads of yep. empires 
And if you will pay attention to your vocation, your, your calling to be uh, a holy people, a kingdom of priests and a yeah. holy nation, you can expand my reign and rule out into the rest of the world. Yeah. And I think that's the idea, that's, that's, that's the yeah. vision that's painted in that spy narrative. So and, cool. and, and the other thing is when the spies come back, they say, man, it really is like a garden, the yeah. land of milk and honey and everything. They all, all agree, you know, initially yeah. they're saying, oh, it's a great land. Exactly. Yeah. But then they say, and they pick up on some more language yeah. from the creation and those early chapters of Genesis, they say, but they're giants in the land. Mm -hmm. okay. Giants in the land. And it makes you think of the Nephilim and the great yeah. warriors of old mentioned in Genesis chapter yeah. six. Right, so there's the more giant. language taking us back to those early chapters of mm -hmm. Genesis, and the ten spies say we don't think we can, we we can't take, we can't do this. So fast forward, right, and you got David, okay, who's going to be, the, he's anointed to be the king over this reclamate right. garden reclamation project, right, mm -hmm. and his first task after he's anointed is to face a giant. Huh. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, Goliath. And we just think, oh, this is a really cool story about a little kid defeating a giant. Right. Oh, no. It's it's much, much deeper than that. This is a huge turning point in okay. the meta narrative. And there's even some language in the description of uh, Goliath's armor that harkens back, mm. reminds yeah. us of the creation account. We're told that he has uh, uh, armor, scale armor. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, that language is the same language that's used to describe the scales on a fish, but also the scales on a serpent. Huh. Okay. Right. Yeah. And so just as the um, the spies were kind of saying, you know, there are idols in the land and giants in the land and all these things that could deceive God's people, lead right. people, God's people astray, you know, interrupt or deform or distort our vocational call to tend the garden. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what, that's what Goliath represents. Okay. He is in a sense, the snake. Yeah. So he's not just, he's not just a giant to overcome. He is, he is the, the, the serpent. He, 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 is, he is a sense. Yeah. He's an archetype. Of that's that. right. That's yeah. right. He, he is an archetype of the serpent. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, and, and of course he's pagan. And we right. know that Israel's great struggle, Moses had told them, don't intermarry with these right. pagans because they will deceive you and lead you astray from yeah. your calling to be a holy people and a holy nation. And the deception of the That's serpent. That's right. And, and yeah. you're, we're not going to reclaim the garden and reclaim our vocation huh. and fulfill the role to which we're called to be priests to the rest of the world if we get sidetracked and led astray by these pagan gods. Right. And, and you know, this Goliath guy is, uh, he is symbolically the serpent. He is one of the great stumbling blocks to Israel fulfilling their called role. And then, I, so when David crushes his head, the, the immediate the thing that I think about is when, you know, he uses yeah. that slingshot and hits him in the forehead, Genesis 3.15, yeah. the curse on the serpent yeah. Uh, after Adam and Eve sin, when when God says, "Yeah, the serpent is going to strike the heel of the offspring of the woman, but the offspring of the woman is going to crush his, his head." head. Yeah, mm -hmm. and the one literally, yeah. David crushes Goliath's head huh. and then takes his sword and cuts it off. Right. And so I would argue that that ancient prophecy in Genesis three fifteen is first fulfilled in the Anointed One, David. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And the, so the it, Messiah, it, we've used, talked about that term, Mashiach, Messiah, yeah, yeah. Christ. He, he, he is God's anointed one. Yeah. He is yeah. Messiah, and he deals a death blow to 
the serpent, huh. the one who would right. be an obstacle to all of God's plans and all of God's planned blessings yeah. and the way he used and plans to use Israel redemptively. And so it both points backward to that first prophecy, but it obviously also points forward yeah. because it's David's descendant who yeah. is going to bring about the second and ultimate fulfillment sure. of that prophecy yeah. in Genesis three fifteen, which I just think is yeah, that's, that's so cool. That's very cool, and that that yeah, that again, that gives you a whole different perspective on that. It made me think today that you know when you were talking about this, the the idea of uh, Jesus. So you said this is David's first act. Immediately, Jesus begins his earthly ministry, and the first thing he does is goes out in the wilderness and faces the, the this this you know the that's Satan, right. right? Yeah, he, that's he right. He has to face down the temptation here. Yeah. Are you going to follow your vocation? Are you going to do it the way God wants you to? That's right. Really, mm -hmm. which is what you know what yeah. it's about because he's you know he's basically saying, look, I can make people bow down to you now. That's right. Right. That's right. And and you can shortcut your vocation and not have to go through all the suffering and so forth. And, yeah. Yeah. And I think the 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 readers who would have known the Samuel story when they read the Jesus yeah. story, I think they'd make that connection. Yeah, I think so. And that's that's the fascinating thing. And you you've made a great point this this week, I think, of saying. This literature, and, and I love it because sometimes we're, so, you know, people are like, oh, you're looking so much into this and that kind of thing. And and just say just briefly what you've talked about with, you know, these these scriptures are written and, and inspired by the Holy Spirit in such a mm -hmm. way that we are supposed to come back to them. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's not like I saw this snake creation <laughs> connection the first time I read the scripture. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I think we live under this myth that that somehow the Bible's easy. Right. I mean, we say that it's like hey, you, anybody can understand. On one level, it's true. True. I mean, the gospel, the, the basics that's of the right. gospel the, message. That's yeah. right. Mm -hmm. But this literature is written in such a way that you really don't, you know, you don't appreciate the depths of it until you just immerse yourself in it. Yeah. And of course, the ancient Hebrews, I mean, they would have had much of it memorized. Right. So they could meditate on it all the time right. and think and that's about the word. it. Those are the, it's what it often says, right? Meditate. Don't just read, you know, don't just read, do your uh, one year Bible reading. Right? That's right. <laughs> yeah. Meditate, yeah. On, meditate on this. And so you come back to it again and again yeah. and again and again. And then you start to pick up on those connections, yeah. those phrases that make you think of earlier narratives yeah. and you start to make these connections and, and you realize there's a whole lot, this is layered, yeah. multi-layered and a whole lot more to this. And then you just begin to appreciate how the scripture as a whole, yeah. you know, really functions and how God's using it. Because in that process of meditating on it, what's really happening is, particularly from a Hebrew perspective, we're communing with God in that right. process. Right. And maybe even more than any insights we gain, what God really wants is for us to just be focused on being in his presence. Right. And and that's how the, the Jews would have understood Torah study, right. that this is the way we commune with God. Right. And so right. it's not just that we're going, ooh, I, and learning no, stuff. that's exactly like, right. It is very much an act of fellowship and yeah. an act of worship. Act of worship. And, and I think God designed it that way, so it keeps pulling us back to him. That's the thing. It's not like you get done, right? It's not like you said, oh, I've finished it now. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. And, but yeah, you, like you said, God, in a lifelong way, wants us to... to get to know him more and more and deeper and deeper and prepare ourselves more and more to be in greater fellowship with him. That's and, right. Yeah. And I can't wait yeah. to, to know what I'm going to know 20 years from now. Right. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't even know right. now. It's right. like, that's going to be a cool journey. Yeah. So I'll say, and this, this just speaks to why, you know, so people who listen to this podcast and obviously we do these kind of things, it just speaks to why like this retreat you're doing is such an important thing. Mm. People who 
as you have poured over the text over a period of long years, thinking particularly about how this applies, you you keep using this term uh, to live the blessed life, you Mm -hmm. know, to live the kind Mm -hmm. of life that God designed us for, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, that shows why that's so important and hopefully shows like what we do here is, is trying to, again, draw us into that, that understanding that makes us desire to know uh, the scripture more. It's, it's, I, I think it's, you know, sometimes, so it, it's easy on one level. Then we start talking about the Bible being hard and some people are like, oh, I, I give up then. I can't, I can't ever understand yeah. it. But what you're saying is really not that you have to get some kind of you know specialized knowledge, but it's more just about a persistence yes. and, and a, a discipline yeah. of, of reading in yeah. a, in a, you know, I would say read big chunks quickly, but read small chunks slowly. I think so. And yeah. That, that combination will show us things that we would i think see in other ways yeah yeah and it's not rocket science and yeah you know a lot of this stuff you can you don't know you don't have to know the languages to to pick up on a lot of this stuff it's great if you do right Mm -hmm. but there are tools available to you that's right that's right Mm -hmm. and and uh to view this as a journey right and and it's not about knowledge acquisition yeah it's about i I think i said the first day that the way the jews would frame this we in the west view knowledge is is a thing to acquire for power purposes the ancient israelites and jesus and the early christians would have viewed knowledge in terms of presence right i study so i can be in the presence of god good and and that's that's what it's about and it's not about having to get all the answers right right yeah, uh, that's yeah, it's good. about coming back to God again and again and again and again. Yeah. And, well, well, I was I was just going to say, you know, kind of going back to the first time we had you on the, the podcast, mm. um, you referencing even like some of these, it's made me read differently just in the time to understand right. that even some of these, the books that we would call historical or mm. that we would say like are just these narratives, but that they're crafted in such a way, they're prophetic. Yes. Right. And yeah. like that there, there is a very distinct message in here. It's not just, and we've talked about this during the class, it's not just this happened a b c d e like we might sometimes write a history book right but like there's details and just as we talked about like you talking about the david and goliath that there's these details that are put in there very specifically to take the mind back yeah and you know i think if you're reading it just as history you're you're looking at it as just like how we would read a history book from world war ii that's right you know right. Th- th- this this is prophecy that's yeah. trying to teach something yeah trying to f- i think you talk about this it's there to form you that's right instead of just not just inform you form you yeah in that's the right. process yeah yeah, yeah. And, and it is very much a process yeah and uh and the more you immerse yourself in it the more you yep. see those connections and uh, I, I like to use the analogy all the time for for people that are uh, mcu fans you know the marvel cinematic universe <laughs> and and every time you rewatch those movies you see something you didn't see right. before you make a connection to something and you go yeah. oh i i see how that connects now yeah. i didn't notice it earlier mm-hmm. and people do that with their movie watching. Well, why can't yeah. we do that with scripture yeah. when it was actually intended to function that way right. mm-hmm. so that it, it's inexhaustible, right? Exactly. It's always fresh because yeah. you're always seeing something new yeah. about God or yourself or the world yeah. or the text itself. 
And so, yeah, it is therefore living and active and transforms us. I think you've done a great job of explaining that this week and just just drawing us into that and Mm. encouraging us, spurring us on to continue to do that. So so thanks so much for that. Again, thank you for letting us be here this week and all we've learned and appreciate you and and everything you're doing. We'll have a link to your site, I think, on the show notes. Okay, why don't you just give us what it is? Jody, what is it? Uh, It's Jody, Uh J-O-D-Y, L, middle initial, Owens.com. Uh-huh. jodyllowens.com and yeah we'll be doing more of these learning yes. retreats uh-huh. in the future with different professors from different seminaries around and and all of them that are invited to do this are uh are practitioners they right. have mm-hmm. led churches so but they know their stuff academically yeah. and when someone else teaches it i come and do the retreat facilitation part okay mm. so when somebody else is teaching you kind of get a two for one you get two professors <laughs> and you know we eat meals together and right. some of the best interaction happens yeah. around the the, the table breakfast table fun. and it's yeah, just it's as we're fun. talking and then praying and worshiping together yeah. in a retreat setting it's just a different kind of context i yeah. think that's intended to be pastoral and nurture our souls and encourage us. And it really is like a learning community, right? not just an event, but you start to feel connected with people. Right. And most of the folks that participate are like repeat yeah. folks. Yeah. And then you build the relationships yeah. and there's trust and you right. feel the freedom to maybe say things you might not in other settings. And there's right. the safety to do mm-hmm. that. And so I think it nurtures our soul that way. That's good. Yeah, yeah. that's very cool. Yeah. Well, so yeah. thank you. Yeah, well, thank you for for chatting about this and for being here. And yeah, maybe some folks will discover that online and and participate in the future. I hope so. And and I hope we're able to participate again sometime uh, sometime as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks so much, Jody. Sure. All right, we'll see you next time. See you next time. Thanks.